If you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can turn with me. Matthew chapter five. Uh, we're, we're in the city. We're in this series, authentic, and we're looking at what it means to have an authentic relationship with God, and what it means to have an authentic relationship with others. What it means to be authentic about about life and about what we're going through, about our struggles, and all of those other things. And so, so today, what I what I want to do with you is I want to walk you through this this scripture, Matthew chapter five, verse four. This is the Beatitudes. It's the intro into the the greatest sermon that was ever preached. It was preached by Jesus. It's the it's the it's the most complete sermon that, that we have of Jesus. And this is like a life message, and it was a, a message that he, he preached quite often through the, the Beatitudes. It, 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 was, it, was his life, it was his life message. And so today I've entitled, I've entitled this message, Good Grief. And uh, as we walk through this, ser- this, this, this sermon, you'll understand later why I titled it Good Grief. But, but, but to say good grief, then that means there's a form of bad grief. And so the Bible talks about both. And so we want to understand this issue of grief. When you, when you look at life, you realize that if we stay in an authentic relationship with God, it's our job to stay connected to God. And, and only through God's help can we walk through the, the difficult times of life. And, and so if you've experienced any part of life, then you know life, life is not perfect. This is earth. This is not heaven. Uh, we, live, we live in a fallen world, and so life is tough. Life is not easy. Life, life can be hard. It can be difficult. Uh, life can be painful. Uh, in this life, there, there is sorrow, and there's disappointment in this life. And, and when you just look at life, nothing works perfectly in this life because this isn't heaven. This, this, this is earth. And, and so life is full of, of losses. It's full of defeats. It's full of disappointments. Uh, we, we can have trials. We can have tribulations. We can have suffering. We can have sorrow. We can have pressures in this life. And so the question is, is, is how do you deal with that? How, how do you deal with the tough stuff of life in, in an authentic way, in a real way that brings healing and not bitterness and resentment and all of those other things? Uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, here, here, here's what he said. He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now listen, when, when you read that, especially at a, a, a cursory read or just a quick read, you think, you know what, that, that, that's just irrational. I mean, that almost sounds irrational. I mean, that, that doesn't even seem like, like it's even normal. I mean, the way to be blessed is to mourn. The way to be blessed is to be, be sad. That God blesses those who, who are hurt and God blesses those who are mourned. So the Bible says that there's two forms of grief. The Bible says that there's good grief and, and, and there's bad grief. In other words, the Bible says that not all grief is, is helpful. There, there's godly sorrow and there, there's worldly sorrow. There's godly sorrow and there's unnatural sorrow. So the Bible helps us to understand that there, there is a form of good grief and there's a form of bad grief. In other words, this, good grief brings healing in your life and bad grief um, makes the wounds even deeper. Uh, bad grief like just pushes the, the hurt and the pain down to where you never really deal with it and you live a life of resentment or unforgiveness or, or bitterness. In other words, good grief gradually helps us through a process to get, get our life back to, together again, but, but you know, bad grief just kind of tears everything apart. The relationships aren't put back together, and there's unresolved issues and, and all of those other things. See, good grief helps us enable and experience the comfort of God, but, but bad grief, unfortunately, blinds us to God, blinds us to the, the comfort of God, and almost feels like, like it's the condemnation of God. When you, when you look at the word comfort, it comes from two Latin words that literally mean with strength. It means to give strength to. It means to strengthen. And so the word comfort literally means to give strength to someone, to encourage someone that God gives strength to you when he comforts you. 
And so I, I don't know what you're going through right now. And I don't know what season of life you're, you're in. And you know what? I, I hope right now life is like perfect for you. Life couldn't be any better for you. But for some of us this morning, life is far from perfect. And some of us come into this, this service with a, lot, with a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, and a lot of, a lot of conflict. Uh, maybe, maybe you received a bad health report. Maybe you've just lost a job. Maybe you're having problems in a marriage or a relationship or with children. Maybe there's financial issues. Maybe there's, a, maybe there, there's, there's issues in, 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 in your family and all of those other things. And, and so for you, life is like far from perfect. And, and you know, for you, you're, you're like reminded every day that this is earth and this is, is in heaven. You're reminded every day that life is just not perfect and we, we live in an imperfect world. And, and really this message is about how, how to be blessed in a broken world, how to be blessed in difficulty. And, and, and the good news is this, this verse helps us to understand that, that we don't have to be happy all of the time if we're authentic. Well, look at this, Ecclesiastes 3, 4, here's what Solomon writes. He says there's, there's a time, in other words, there's seasons. There's a time to weep, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to mourn, and there is a, there's a time to dance. That, that phrase, a time to dance, always makes me, uh, always reminds me of some people that, that sometimes they'll come to our church and they always have that question. And they'll say, hey, pastor, can, can Christians dance? And I'm like, some can, some can't. <laughs> some should, some shouldn't, right? You just go to a wedding, you'll realize, you know what, you shouldn't dance. You, you know what, if someone's dialing 911 because they think you're having a seizure, maybe you shouldn't dance. And so... Uh, so, so there's seasons in life, and life is like a series of seasons. And so what he says, there is a time to weep, and there is a time to laugh. fact is, can I just tell you this? The Bible says there's some, there's some inappropriate times to laugh. You can tell a lot by, about a person. You can tell a lot about a family by what they laugh at. The TV shows they laugh at, the, the jokes that they laugh at. fact is, laughter can reveal in a person can reveal a hard heart, a, a calloused heart, a, a critical heart, because sometimes laughter covers up a calloused heart. Sometimes laughter covers up criticism, right? That someone feels like it's okay if they, if they laugh at you or they make fun of you or they criticize you, as long as they try to cover it with laughter. You ever had someone criticize you, and at the end of the criticism they laughed, and, and you said, hey, I think that hurt, and they said, I'm, I'm just joking. Feel like a joke to you? Sometimes laughter can give us an escape from reality. I was reading a, bi uh, a biography here a while back, and this counselor was telling this story. He was a counselor in Chicago, and he, and he had a patient, and this patient was, was really, really depressed. He was really sad. So the counselor says, you know what? After listening to you in this session here, I'm going to give you some homework. Here's what I want you to do. Tonight, I want you to go to the, 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 to the, uh, to the circus. He said, I, I went to the circus last night, and they, they have this famous clown there. Uh, his name is the great Ronaldo. And he says, I'm telling you what, Ron the great Ronaldo made me laugh so hard. I mean, I forgot all of my problems. I forgot all of my stresses. I laughed so hard that when I left that place, my sides actually hurt. So I want you to go, and I want you to hear the great Ronaldo tonight, and you'll feel better. And the patient looked at him and said, oh, you don't understand. I am the great Ronaldo. <laughs> Laughter. Sometimes it's inappropriate. Sometimes it's not even authentic. Sometimes laughter is an escape from reality. Sometimes laughter hides a calloused heart, a critical heart, a hard heart, a, an unhappy heart. And Jesus taught 
that the Christian joy goes much deeper than the shallow laughter. Proverbs 17.22 says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a, a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And so the Bible says that God, God blesses those who mourn, and so there, there is good grief. And just so we're tracking, grief is just not for funerals. Grief is for any kind of loss in this world. There's a lot of people that look at mourning and look at grief and they say, well, that has to do with loss of life. That has to only do with funerals, but it's much more than that. Grief has to do with any loss in life, whether it's a loss of health or a loss of, of a job or a loss of marriage, loss of money, loss of reputation, loss of energy, or even a loss of, of a dream that you have. And the Bible says there's only one appropriate response to this loss, and that is to be authentic, to not, not fake it, and to be, to be real about it. And, and so the Bible says there's this good grief and like this bad grief. Here, while back in life journaling, we're, we're journaling through Joshua, Josh, Joshua chapter 7, Joshua's experiencing grief. And Joshua, it, it was a loss. They had a loss of victory. And so Joshua, it was just more than he could take. And Joshua is not in mourning. He's not in good grief. He's, he's stuck in bad grief. And he's like, he's like paralyzed. And God comes to him in Joshua chapter 7, verse 10, 7, uh, chapter 7, verse 10. And he says, but the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Process through it. Listen, Joshua was dealing with disappointment. Disappointment is simply this, is, is something good that did not happen in your life. Something good that you, that you wanted to have happen in your life, and it didn't happen. Grief is a painful emotion, and grief is a helpful emotion. Listen, if you never grieve about anything in your life, you're out of touch with reality, you're out of touch with your emotions, and, and you don't love. The reason we grieve is because we love. The reason we mourn and grieve is because we care. When, when we don't have good grief in our life, when we have bad grief in our life, we tend to push, push our pain down in our life, and we, just, we get stuck emotionally. Here's what the Scripture says in Psalm 32.3. He says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Can I just tell you this? Groaning is a bad form of grief. Groaning is not, is not mourning. Uh, groaning is not working through it. Groaning is an issue of like moaning to where you're like, you're like, you're like, you're like throwing a pity party and it's like, woe is me and it's not, it's not productive. Fact is, groaning is unproductive. This is what was happening to Joshua. This is when it's just woe is me type of deal. Psalm 39 two. I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail and my distress grew worse. In other words, this grief is a choice and it is a healthy choice. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, verse four, he said, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who have good grief, for they shall be comforted, they shall be given strength, they shall be strengthened. So I want to give you three things this morning about what good grief brings in your life, what good grief brings in my life, and then it's so important, uh, especially at the end of this message, this type of message, that we're, we're going to take communion together, and we're, we're going to look to the future, we're going to look to the cross, and we're going to look to heaven. Uh, but I want, to, I want to give you three things before we do that of what good grief brings in your life. The first, the first one is this. Good grief brings me closer to God. 
Good grief brings me closer to God. Bad grief brings me farther away from God. Bad grief makes me hate God, resent God. Bad grief will, will, will make me leave church. Bad grief will make me no longer read scripture. Bad grief will take and push me away from God. But this issue of good grief, good grief brings me closer to him. Because the reason that we grieve is because we love, because we care. If we didn't love and if we didn't care, then, then we wouldn't grieve. We wouldn't mourn. Uh, listen, a bad concept of grief is this. You'll get over it. Just get over it. Really? Can I just tell you there's some things in life you'll never get over? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, the fact is the Bible does never say that you'll get over it. With grief, if you're authentic and if you're real about your hurt, your disappointments, your loss, and all those other things, you don't go over it, you don't go under it, you don't go around it. The only way to do is to go, go through it. That's why he said, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who go through it. Blessed are those who walk through it. Because in that, they will be comforted. Psalm 34, 18 says, says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed uh, in spirit. Listen, bad grief will make you feel like that God is like a, a million miles away. Listen, we looked at this last week. Your feelings will lie to you, especially in grief and especially in hurt and, and especially in pain. And bad grief will make you feel like, you know what? God doesn't care. Uh, he's left me. He's abandoned me. And God is a million miles from me. Listen, good grief brings you closer to him. That's why in Hebrews 13, 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will. This is a promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, God, God will never leave you regardless of the season you're in, regardless of what you've done. God will never leave you in life. He will never abandon you in life. Even if you sin, even if it was your poor decision, even if it was your action, even if it was your fault, even if you're the one that caused the problem, God said, never will I leave you. Never will I abandon you. See, bad grief makes, makes us feel like that God's like a million miles away from, but good grief brings us closer to God. And listen, God knows, God knows what God's acquainted with grief. Look at this, Isaiah 53.3. He was despised, he's talking about Jesus, and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and, he was and, and we esteemed him not. Listen, God knows, God knows what you're going through. That's why Hebrews says that God knows our hurts and pains, and he can sympathize with them. Yet he was without, he was without sin. Jesus knows grief. Jesus had a friend, Lazarus. Lazarus passed away. Look at this in, in John chapter 11, verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was so deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled, and he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Jesus cried. So the Jews said, See how, how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Jesus grieved because he loved. We saw that in the scripture. Grieving is a sign of caring. Grieving is a sign of love. Grieving, grieving is a sign that you love someone. Listen, can I just tell you, grieving is not a sign of weakness. 
Jesus was one of the strongest men to ever live. Yet he showed emotion. Man, I've heard things in Christian circles. But what are you crying for? Why are you showing? Don't, don't you know where your loved one is? Man, we're grieving for us. Because we're going to miss them. Or because of the situation you're in. Listen, the pain you feel when you go through grief, God knows your pain. And the first thing that gr good grief should bring you, good grief should bring you closer to God. The second thing is this, good grief should bring you closer to, 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 to a church family. Good grief should bring you closer to community. Good grief should bring you closer to a church family. See, bad grief makes you, makes you feel like, you know what, the church wasn't there for me. Listen, the church is made up of people. It's not an organization. I've never, as far as me being a pastor, I have never had someone give me the testimony that wasn't in a life group, that wasn't in community. I've never had them say, you know what, I went through grief, I went through hurt, and the church wasn't there for me. That's why community is so important. That's why relationships were so important. Listen, God never meant for you to do this life alone. He never meant for you to go to life, through life on your own. And, and we were created for relationships. And when you try to carry burdens by yourself, listen, you're trying to carry a burden that you are not, you are not designed to carry alone. And when something ha bad happens to you and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm not going to be authentic. I'm not going to look to anyone for help. I'm not, can I just tell you, you violated a principle of Scripture. And God says we were meant for community and we find, we find healing in community. We find relationships in community. And good grief brings us closer to people. Good grief brings us closer to a church. Good grief brings us closer to a life group or a Bible study or people that we share in ministry with. Because what the Scripture says, healing comes in community to where we can be committed to one another. We can be devoted to one another. Here a while back, I was, I was talking to an individual and and so I always, always ask this story. If, if I meet you for the first time in the lobby and, and, and I are in the community or wherever, I ask this story. I, says, I, I ask this question. What is your story? How would you find Fellowship of the Rockies? How would you come to the church? And so I, I, I did that with an individual. And this young lady looked at me and says, well, I, I, I went through a difficult time in my life. And, and I came to Fellowship of the Rockies. It's at Fellowship of the Rockies. I met Christ. I, I got baptized here. And then I went into a, went into a life group. And the the rest of the conversation was about her life group leader and about the healing that her life group brought her in her life and the healing that the life group brought to, to her. Listen, you weren't intended to do life alone. Here, here's what Revelation, or, I'm sorry, Romans chapter, nine, chapter 12, verse 9 says. Let love be genu genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Listen, if you consider, listen, these are commands. And if you consider yourself a Christ follower, then these are commands for you that the church is a family. The church is a family of God. The church is a re relationship. And when you look at Romans chapter 9 in these verses that you just read, you realize that, that we, we belong to one another. 
I mean, we're devoted to one another. We, 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 we belong to one another. All of a sudden, when, when I was saying that, especially last night, I, I had this thought that went through my, my, my mind, and I'm like, uh, I was going to have, have you turn to each other and say, you belong to me. But I thought, maybe that would get weird. <laughs> but we, but we, we you know, didn't want any wedding proposals or anything like that. And so, but we belong to each other. We're one body. We're devoted to one another. Man, and, and well, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another. Build one another up, just as you are doing. And so, let, let me give you some, some suggestions. And, and you know what? Karen and I, we are more experienced in this, this area of grief, in this area of good grief, in this area of mourning, than, than we were a year ago. And so, we, we've learned some things. And, and, uh, and so, I, I just, I just want to give you some suggestions. Whenever you minister to someone that's going through grief, or maybe you're going through grief, and so, so, so here's some things. The first one is this. Never minimize someone else's pain. Never minimize someone else's pain with the, with the, with the words that, that you say or, or the things that you say. In other words, this. Listen more, speak less. A lot of times we get, a lot of times we get that backwards. We just want to fix them, Right? A lot of times we, we, we just want to talk. And a lot of times those platitudes that we say that someone's in grief or someone that's hurting, the platitudes that we say or the Christianese or the, the slogans that we say, you know, what, you know who that's really helping? That's helping us, not them. Because it's making us feel like we're, we're, we're helping them. Never minimize somebody else's pain. Never tell them it's no big deal. Never, never tell them, well, you know what? Someone else has it worse. I mean, I've, I've jotted some things down that, that through the years of, of being a pastor and being a police chaplain, uh, some of the things that I've heard and some people have said. And let me just run through some of those. Just try to help us this, this morning. Uh, never say, guess what? God only tests the strong. That's just simply not true. God is the one who's strong. Even in our weaknesses. Never say, you know what? It, it's God's will. God has a plan for you. There may be some seeds of truth in that, but this can make the one in mourning, this can make the one in grief, this can make the survivor feel like God wants to punish them or want them to suffer. We have a neighbor, and uh, many, many years ago, her son had a terrible problem. And in her church, not our church, but in her church, someone told her, that it must be because there's sin in your life. You're going through that. You know, she's never darkened a church again. Never say, I understand. You may have some similar hurt. You may have gone through some similar situations, but every, everybody's issues, problems are, are unique. Never tell anyone, don't feel bad. And it's okay to feel bad after something tragic has happened. It's okay to feel badly. Give the survivor, give the person that is hurting some space for some negative emotions without, without judging them or getting theological. You know two words that I think we ought to take out of our vocabulary when we're trying to help someone that's in mourning? At least. At least you have other children. At least you're young. At least they lived a long and healthy life. At least you're young enough to where you can start over. 
See, if we're not careful, what, what we intend to encourage can minimize someone's feelings or their situation. Here's another one. Don't try to fix it. There may come a time for that, but when someone's in mourning and when someone's in grief, for some reason we have this, this desire uh, to fix it, and some of that comes out of love. But, but let, them, let them process it out. Listen, I, I will never forget uh, many, many years ago, I, I did one of the toughest funerals I've ever done. As for a family friend, uh, she died at a tragic, very, very young age, and we'd known her and her family since childhood. They'd been in her home. We'd been in their home. And so it's just one of those things as a pastor that all of a sudden you're the one that has to bring comfort. And so, so I, I, I did her funeral. And it was just, it was just, it was horrendous. And so I did the funeral. I finished the graveside service. I came back over here to the church, and and um, and I just walked into my office, still in my funeral suit. I mean, about the only time I wear a suit. And so if I'm wearing a suit, it's kind of a bad deal. And so, so and so I walk in my office, and I'm just sitting on my couch in my funeral suit, just staring, just staring at the wall. I don't know how long I sat in there. And all of a sudden, uh, one of our pastors, uh, a friend, walks in and. He kind of notices me, and he kind of got that look, and he, he just walked in, sat right down beside me on the couch and stared at the wall with me. So close, close on the couch that our bodies were touching, and that's kind of uncomfortable for a man, right? Especially when there's nobody else in the room. And we stared at the wall together. Seemed like an eternity. I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes, and I finally, I says, hey, I think I, I, think I brought comfort today. I think, think I was able to comfort the family. And he goes, yeah. He said, you did good. And I'll never forget what he asked next. He says, how are you? How are you? And he just let me talk without trying to fix it, without trying to minimize my pain, without trying to get theological. You know what it's called? It's called the ministry of presence. Sometimes it's just, it's just showing up. Here's another one. Never, never rush people. Pain and grief takes time. And it can be different from every person. That's why do you realize with the loss of a child, uh, with some traumatic events in marriage, that the divorce rate goes higher? The divorce rate is like off the charts higher because, you know why? Because two people process grief differently. And you have to give each other space. And you can't rush it. Listen, there is not a right way and there is not a wrong way to go through good grief. It's just different. And so you learn. You learn, you learn to give grace to each other. You learn to, there's the ministry of presence. You just, you just learn to, to like, like be there. And so let me ask you, who are you doing this for? Who, who, who in your life around you that, that you're doing this for? Because listen, in life, either you need to comfort others or others need to comfort you because we live in an imperfect world. The third and the last thing that good grief brings is this. Good, good grief brings me spiritual growth. Good grief brings me spiritual growth. Bad grief paralyzes me in my growth. 
bad grief causes me to hold on some things. And, and many times God uses pain in our life to, to get our attention. And if we're honest, it's during the difficult times of life that we have grown the most. Second Corinthians 4.17 says, For this light momentary aff affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. In other words, this, you and I cannot control the pain that we go through in life. We cannot control the situations and the hurt and the disappointments and the loss. But we can control how we respond. We can control if we choose good grief or if we, if we choose bad grief. That word affliction is just simply the pain that you're going through right now. The pain that you're experiencing, whether it's sickness, whether it's sadness, whether it's loss, whether it's disappointments, whether it's hurt. And all of a sudden he says, focus not on the things of this world. Focus not on the things that are temporary, but focus on the eternal things. In other words, all of a sudden your perspective changes and your perspective and good grief changes to the eternal things and to the eternal rewards. In other words, what he says is don't, don't focus on the things of this world because guess what? They're temporary. You can't take them with, with you. You know this, you're not taking anything with you. You're not taking your car with you. You're not taking your home with you. You're not taking vacations with you, your 401k, your retirement, your, your education, your profession, your toys, your hobbies. You realize you are not taking anything with you. You know what you're taking with you? Your character and you. And so when we focus, what he's saying in Corinthians, what, he, what he's saying is you've you got to focus on something else. You cannot focus on the temporary. If you focus on the temporary, you will end up in bad grief. Good grief is this, is that you're able to move past that. You're able to see this eternal thing. In other words, psychologists and psychotherapists have done study after study about people that go through suffering, whether it's prisoner of war, whether it's uh, Holocaust survivors, or, or people through 9-11 or traumatic events or anything like that. And they say the people that survive traumatic loss and hurt and pain are those that are able to have a forward look, those are that are able to see purpose and meaning in what they're going through. Listen, if, if there's purpose and meaning in what you're going through, you can experience a lot of pain. If you don't see purpose and meaning in what you're walking through, you'll give up. You'll give up every time. And you'll end up in bad grief. See, there's a big difference between bad grief and good grief. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says this. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who have passed away, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. In other words, we said this life is not all there is. And if there, and if there was no hope of heaven, then we'd all be in despair. Because there's so much bad in this world. Bad grief is no hope. Good grief is hope. Every one of us needs good grief and we need hope. Listen, as a pastor, I, I've done, I've done, I don't even know how many funerals I've done. I don't even know how many people I've, I helped when I was uh, a Pueblo police chaplain and I worked with a, a lot of death and loss and traumatic events. And Man, I've looked plenty of people in the face who had bad grief, who had no hope. When a loved one died, when there was a traumatic loss, and, and I know what despair looks like. Listen, the test as believers, the test of our belief system, is not how you handle the successes in life, but how you handle suffering, how you handle loss, and how you 
handle disappointment. And we have hope. And so we grieve with hope. And we grieve good grief. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away.